Hi everybody, it's Steve here. I hope you're all safe and well. I haven't been around for a few weeks due to holiday and pandemic issues, but everything is okay now and everyone is safe and well, like I hope you are. Just a note to say that my podcast will soon be available on Amazon and Audible platforms. So, I'd like to welcome any new listeners in advance. Sometimes, when preparing notes for a podcast subject, I realise it might not be possible to discuss the subject, as there seems to be too many exceptions to the grammatical or linguistic rules. It's therefore not easy to present the subject on a listening platform only, as visuals would also be very helpful in this matter. This is what happened when I was preparing the subject for this podcast. So, my original idea has been postponed for now, as it needs a little bit more explanatory work. I did try to find definite rules in literature and online, but there were so many contradictory issues, I decided to leave that subject for a while. In the meantime, I hope you find the substitute story interesting. Six years ago, on the 1st of September 2015, I started working for what I would class as an unusual school. I've mentioned before that I worked in a local early 17th century manor house. Inside this manor house was a school that trained Japanese people to teach Japanese to non-Japanese speakers, and also trained them to teach English to young Japanese learners, or T-E-Y-L, Teaching English to Young Learners. The abbreviation for it is T-E-Y-L. I would be mainly involved in T-E-Y-L because I was the qualified English teacher there, or the teacher qualified to teach English to speakers of other languages. But I would also be a trainer or instructor on other courses giving presentations or lectures on language learning methodology. I became used to some of the Japanese culture here in this school. On my first day, I had my first taste of Japanese culture. At about 8.30, the principal came out of his office and all the ladies in the outer office, or the coordinator's room as they called it, stood up. I also stood up as I thought it would make a good impression if I followed protocol. I was the only Mao in the coordinator's room, the only non-Japanese member of staff in the school. The principal told me this was the morning staff meeting, which occurred every day, and each member of staff would detail their workload and appointments for the day. Unfortunately, I wasn't advised about this in advance, so didn't really have that much to say. I managed a few stumbled sentences about how I was looking forward to working in this new environment and meeting all the new staff and working with my new colleagues. I wasn't looking forward to this every day as mostly the morning meeting or the morning gathering as they actually called it would be the same thing every day. I'm not a fan of meetings at the best of times and I found the daily ones a bit of a waste of time sometimes, where everyone could have read the details in a weekly memo or email. 
However, a lot of accreditation agencies seem to have an obsession an obsession with meetings when there's really not much to say. Although we were having daily meetings, we were advised to have quarterly meetings to discuss the school's future plans. However, what wasn't taken into account was that all financial and education strategies were decided by the principal and the rest of the staff followed his instructions in implementing them. We understood the culture. I'm not so sure everyone else did. On my first day, I had meetings with both what you might call the Chief of Staff and the Director of Japanese Studies. Here I was told my main duties, plus the names of the staff and people I had to contact to advise them that I was the new Director of Studies, or DOS for short. Luckily, quite a few lesson plans had been previously drawn up in a standardised form for a lot of subjects. The previous DOS seemed to have been very organised. Unfortunately, a lot of her predecessors were not, and I had to start from scratch with some subjects. I didn't mind, because I could put my own stamp on them. I also found that some topics may be a bit too academic for the level of English of some of my trainees. So I needed to change the way they were presented, grade the language a little, and make them more practical than theoretical. I did add quite a bit more teaching practice to the courses, as originally the teaching practice only occurred halfway through the course or as part of the final lessons. I thought it would be better to incorporate teaching practice into each week of the course, from mini lessons using peer teaching, example lessons, and lesson planning. At about this time, while typing the script, I think this podcast needs to be in more than one episode. So that's what's going to happen. Before I go, though, I just thought I'd let you know how my Japanese language learning is progressing. If you remember, I've been using an online app. I progressed quite well and have been using the app for 61 days in a row. So some things are remaining in my memory. I have a better knowledge of Japanese than I ever did. I make sure I do at least two activities every day. That's my daily activity and the activity that takes me to my daily target. I think by the end of this course, I'll have enough Japanese to get by in conversation, but would need to study the language more or deeper to have any further understanding. Well, that's it for now. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening and subscribing. Take care, stay safe, and keep well. Bye-bye, or sayonara for now.